Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Today's scripture reading is going to be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 16, verse 13. And it says, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Amen. Well, happy Sabbath, everybody. And happy Sabbath for our friends and family that are watching us through the internet. Today, we will continue a series of uh, sermons that I started last year. It's called uh, Best Friends Forever. And uh, we are going through the story of Abraham and uh, looking in how we related with God and what we can glean to our own experience. Like uh, today, we're going to still look on the Abraham experience, but uh, the person we really will be looking into is in God because uh, Abraham takes a lot of the credit, but God is the, the one that we really should be paying attention to because he's the one that we should be modeling uh, our life uh, towards. So, uh, today we read mostly from chapter 16. We also are going to touch on chapter 17. But uh, since we don't have time to read the whole text, the whole two, two chapters, I would urge you to, at home, when you have time, to go and read by yourself chapter 16 and 17. That will deepen the impressions that you get from the sermon today and uh, will help uh, you to understand it even better what we discuss here today. And for those of you that are uh, new, that are coming for the first time uh, here or through the internet, uh, or haven't had the chance to see the other two sermons, sermons on this series, I'm going to make a very quick summary. Abraham was living on the biggest city of his day. And then God said to him, like, get out from where you, the place you live, get out from your family, break out the ties, and go to the land where I appointed you. Abraham was kind of reluctant to do certain things. He, he first moved out of, uh, of the city, then out of his father's house, then took a little longer to sever all the ties with the family, but he finally did it. And then uh, uh, with a lot of ups and downs on his uh, journey, then God comes and uh, when he finally gets back to Canaan, uh, God promises him again that he will give him a, a descendant, like a very numerous, uh, uh, like a very big descendancy. And uh, the, he was called when he was 75 years old. And uh, then, uh, a year later, give or take, he was made that promise again about a son. But uh, he asked God, are you being serious or are you just playing with me? And God said, like, no, I'm serious. And they entered in a covenant to reinforce that. And Abraham was happy. But... Uh, and that's where we left off last time. And uh, he, God had confirmed his promise through a covenant, but the, what God did not produce was a child. And like uh, 10 years had passed, Abraham now had 85 years old, and uh, he still didn't have a child. 
10 years is a long time. In 10 years, a lot of things change, like your hairline changes, your... Uh, I used to have more hair. In my, in my case, my waistline also changed. I'm on the process of now going through all my wardrobe and like... Uh, even my, uh, my belts are like kind of exploding those days. And I'm, I wish I was joking, but... Uh, so a lot of things changed. Like 10 years ago, uh, I still had all my kids at home. Now I'm almost an empty nester in another six months I will be. So like uh, things change fast. And uh, 10 years is a long time to be waiting. Uh, and especially in a day and age where Abraham lived, that having a child, having an offspring was actually uh, a symbol of blessing and also of posterity because if Abraham died, his, uh, all his money and everything that he made through life would go to somebody else's. So, like, uh, that is a long time to be waiting. And in this, it, is in, it is in this juncture of life that we find our hero Abraham today. And... Uh, before we start on chapter 16, I want to invite you to pray with me so we can uh, ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of life and for the opportunity that we have to be here today, to be at your house, to hear about you. We ask you, dear Lord, uh, for us to clean us with the blood of the Lamb. Uh, if, it, if there's anything uh, making separation between us and you, may you usher, wash us clean and may you cover us with your garments of righteousness. We ask you, dear Lord, uh, to anoint uh, us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us through the journey today so we can learn uh, what you want us to learn. Uh, anoint my lips so I don't speak from myself. Help me to say what you want me to say and not a word more. And may you also bless all of those that will be hearing here today, both uh, the ones that are here face to face and those that are on the internet. May they be blessed with your Holy Spirit opening their hearts and minds to hear not my voice, but your voice speaking directly to their hearts. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Already. So let's start by reading uh, a big chunk. That's uh, Genesis 16, 1 to 10. Can you read for us, Daniel? Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her in a, by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. 
The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress, and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. So, let's uh, decode this. After ten years of waiting, uh, ten years of being there in Canaan, the place that God wanted them to be, just by themselves, uh, Sarai had the idea. She comes to Abraham. Look, honey, uh, since God didn't allow me to have a child, uh, why we don't get that girl here that works for me? And uh, she can have a chi child of yours, and that can be my child. And uh, you'll become your son. Sounds right, a good idea, right? And uh, so they talked a little bit, they pondered, and they decided together to go on with that plan. Abraham uh, takes uh, Agar, Hagar, he, uh, to be his, uh, uh, the servant of his wife. They uh, conceive, and uh, like uh, things change radically. Because from being uh, Sarai's uh, servant, she became her peer. And jealousy started to brew. Like things didn't look really, really good. And uh, uh, why? Because she managed to do what Sarai failed to deliver, a child. And... Uh, now Hagar starts to look down on her mistress and things go sour very quickly. Sarai comes to Abraham with very angry words like uh, that we just read on the, pa on the passage like she, she come like very hot at him. But if you ever had been in any relationship, if you're married, you know that sometimes uh, behind the anger, there is somebody that's hurt, somebody that's upset. And that's exactly where uh, Sarai was. She was hurt. She was upset. And she comes and dumps into Abraham, like maybe the wrong... Uh, done to me uh, be on you may god judge you between you and me so she lay very heavily on them and abraham immediately answered sarai like do what you think is best and the bible tells us in genesis 16 verse 6 that uh, sarai dealt with her harshly we don't know what that really mean because the bible don't elaborate on that but the word that was choose that was translated as dealt with her harshly in hebrew means to humiliate to oppress so uh it's fair to say that the situation was so bad that like uh for hagar was a better option to flee to go and try to live by herself on the desert as a single mother than living in that situation of uh, oppression that she uh, was living in. It was a really sad state of affairs. And, uh, but before we go any further on this, I just want to uh, invite you to look on that story not with our 21st century glasses because if we judge what's happening here with our glasses we miss the real lesson here we may be thinking like as we look to their decision what to, what are you thinking like that's craziness that's not even christian like what are you doing but uh we need to understand their decision 
within their cultural context. Because uh, there's a lot of time between us and them. And the norms, the societal norms, the customs uh, are very different. So, and when we take our decisions, we take in consideration the culture where we live. Uh, just something real simple, like uh, what do you see here on my hand? Just four, five fingers, right? If I was living in Brazil, my homeland, you would see something else on, on those five fingers. You would see a wedding band. Because there is inconceivable a married man not having one. Here is the other way around. Like it's not as common. And in that depends where you live. Uh, it's even frowned upon. So me and my wife, we chose like since that's the norm here on the society where we live. Let's conform. I'm not breaking any biblical principles on that, but I'm just trying to to conform in a way. Uh, that's not threatening to my faith. So we do that all the time, even without thinking. Uh, so that's, we, that's why we need to uh, understand their context. In their time, was perfectly fine and acceptable, for example, a man marry his half-sister. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Sarai was Abraham's half-sister. And that was fine back then. Today, you end up going to jail, but that's a different matter. Uh, and I mentioned this not to make Abraham look bad, because he was fine for his time. Uh, I mentioned this to just to remind us that we live in a different day and age, and we have to read that story, not in, in our own cultural framing, but on their cultural framing. Uh, like uh, their decision may not be part of the God's ideal plan for them, the decision of like having that surrogate mother, but was not immoral or illegal. So uh, we have to be mindful of that. Like back on those days to uh if you don't have child like uh that was a big problem because who not only uh by the fact of uh we all like to have child i i do uh but because the absence of child would indicate cursing from god and even worse it would indicate that your family will die with you. And even worse, everything you make will be for grabs afterwards. So there's a lot of implications on that. So people are really thinking in, a, in a ways to go around that. Because it's uh, just a fact of life. Some people cannot conceive. And that was a problem back then as a, is a problem today. And uh, back then, how they would go around? There were basically two ways. One, I could get another wife. Two, like I could get the servant of my wife. And in that case, if that servant conceives, that kid will be considered le legally my, wa my wife's uh, uh, children and my children as well. And uh, why? Because I have control over the mother. So I can uh, steer the situation uh, better. So that was a perfectly acceptable uh, decision to take in the society of those days. So that was a proper and responsible course of action uh, for people that wanted to conceive. Uh, was far from God's ideal, 
but was not as crazy as it sounds for us today. Because we live in different times. And things that we do today, on their eyes, would look crazy as well. So, like, uh, once we understand that, then we can proceed in what uh, is going on here. Because what boils to is that uh, when Sarai comes to Abram uh, with a plan, that's not a crazy plan. Like, it's not far-fetched. It's something uh, respectable and lawful. It's like me get going to my wife and like, let's adopt somebody today. Nobody will frown upon you like that's normal uh, in our day. It was not normal back then, but like uh, back then they would have to resort to other things. Uh, so was respectable. And uh, so when uh, Sarai comes, Abraham is on a bind because there's just two choices before him. One, to try to conceive by natural means and, in, and after like, I don't know how long they were married, but at least 10 years of waiting, uh, at age of like uh, 80 something and Sarai was like on her 60s that's not gonna happen so I either wait for something magic to happen or I go to the surrogate route that those are the two uh, decisions that he had at at, uh, at his disposal and uh he chose the surrogate route. That's a little bit more nuanced than what we would think on the first glancing. And uh, they discuss, they did this among themselves, nobody imposed to anybody. And they went to that route. And immediately Hagar's status is upgraded. She conceives and that starts to create havoc on their family dynamic. Sarai becomes bitter and uh, jealousy, bruise, and that le leads to pushbacks. And uh, Sarai becomes more distressed and afflicted and lashes on uh, Hagar. And then finally, Hagar goes AOL. And uh, at this stage, Abraham looks back in time. He, if there was a sore fellow on him, I think was his, uh, was him, like because his situation was not good. And uh, he had a stable family and now his family was all over the place. Uh, he was probably beaten by regret, like because for now, for, uh, for us it's easy to analyze because as they say, like hindsight is vision is 2020. But back when you are on the problem, things are a little fuzzy. So, uh, the Hagar flees. And when she flees, she goes to the desert. And uh, we see that she meets there the angel of the Lord. That's basically God himself. And uh, like... He gets to her, Hagar, what are you doing? And then she tells her sad story, like, and uh, God says to her, like, listen, go back there. And uh, if you go back there, if you submit, I will bless you. And uh, I will give you a promise that your son, from him, he also a multitude will come from him. Twelve princes he will have. So he, he, he gave her a big blessing and Hagar returned home. And somehow things worked a little better. Uh, they adjust their family dynamics. And uh, on the beginning of our story today, Abraham had a choice to make. 
it didn't take him long to realize that he took the wrong choice. And uh, the toll that his choice took in his family dynamics was very notable very soon. But uh, what I want you to see today is that uh, uh, how God acts towards Abraham's decision. Because there is something remarkable there. Uh, Abraham chooses the surrogate road. Hagar gets pregnant. And then because of the conflict, she flees. In the desert, God finds her. And sends her back with assurance that her son will also be great. And uh, he assures her that he greatly will multiply her offspring uh, to the point that his offspring also cannot be counted. He gave to her a light version of the blessing he promised to Abraham himself, to the son of promise. And uh, then finally, once she comes back, Hagar gives a birth of uh, Ishmael when Abraham was eight, six years old. And uh, 13 years later, God visits Abraham again. 13 years later, after Ishmael was born. And that we read on the beginning of chapter 17. Like, uh, we will not read today. Oh, we should have time. I thought it was much later than... Uh, Daniel, can you read for me verses 1 to 3 of uh, uh, Genesis 17, and then I will tell the rest of the story. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying. So he started to tell him, like, Abraham, I didn't forget about my covenant. And today I come to do something special, because you won't be called Abram any longer. Like, uh, you're going to be called Abraham. Because that's a better uh, description of what you're going to be. Abraham, his name so far, was like an exalted father. Uh, and Abraham was, uh, the meaning is, father of peoples. Like, of different peoples. Like, uh, different people groups. Like, for big multitudes. And uh, he said, that's not only it. Sarai, she won't be called Sarai any longer. Sarai means like my princess. She'll become just Sarah. That means princess. Because she will also be the mother of like many nations. And uh, I will I establish my covenant with you, Abraham. And I now come to make it true. And in a verse, uh, then Abraham, he, he kind of like, okay, God, I, I, I get it. And then he kind of prays by himself, God, may you don't forget uh, uh, Ishmael. And what he was really saying, okay, God, God, I get it. So Ishmael will be my son, right? And God, and God says, no. The son will come from Sarah, not from Hagar. I will bless Ishmael too. But the son I'm talking about is coming from your wife. And a year from now, you should have it in your arms. And uh, God leaves Abraham with that on his mind. Uh, in this episode, uh, like 14 years in, into uh, 
Abraham's uh, story. The, what's at stake here? It's one of God's greatest gifts to humanity. It's our ability to make decisions. Uh, to make independent decisions. Abraham made an informal decision about how to have a child. It was a wrong decision. Don't take me wrong. That was not what God wanted, but was an informed decision. Uh, he could have had more faith. He could have waited for God. That's what God wanted. But uh, he made an informal decision in collaboration with his wife. Like I want you to notice, and you're going to notice this this afternoon as you read both chapters, chapter 16 and 17. As you read the whole two chapters, there is not a single point there where God jumps out from out of a bush and says like, now I got you, Abraham, you're doing the right thing. And he blames Abraham for his decisions, for taking the wrong decision. We sometimes do it. I've seen many preachings, like people lashing on Abraham. I did some of those myself, uh, full disclosure. But uh, in a, if you read here, Abraham, uh, Sarai lashes on him because of the decision later. Uh, I would imagine that Abraham looking himself on the mirror was also beating himself up. But the only person that could accurately judge Abraham on that whole story is God. And God never blames him for that decision. Uh, like uh, God does not reprimand uh, Abraham for taking an informed but ultimately bad decision. Far from that. God looks around. And uh, he tries to walk with Abraham. To walk around the problem that he created himself. That he, Abraham, created. Not he, God. God never creates problems. He only solves it. Uh, so, when God meets Hagar... What does he say to her? I will get Ishmael to be a great nation. He promises a blessing if she goes back. He blesses Abraham's suboptimal decision. Although it was the wrong decision, he blesses it. Even though that was not the decision he wanted Abraham to take. Uh, and he says regarding Ishmael... Uh, I will see him, say to Abraham, I will see him to be great. And uh, 12 princes will come from him. So he is taking care of Abraham. Like, was not the best choice, was not what God wanted. God considered that uh, decision, although very well informed and like, uh, in par with the times he was living, was the wrong decision. But nonetheless, God blessed Ishmael as well with the same types of blessings he promised to Isaac. And uh, then when he finally comes back uh, in chapter 17 to talk with Abraham and Sarai, he changed their name. And uh, he shows up in Genesis 17, 19 to 21. And he looks then on the eye and says, like, you and Sarah will have a child. A kid that will be born this time next year. And this kid will be the heir of the covenant I made with you. And uh, he wanted Abraham to know that Sarah was the integral part of his plan. Not 
any other alternative that they could do. That was something that he would do. But God gave to Abraham a gift. A gift that he gives to every one of us. A gift of intelligent and informed choices. Sometimes in life, we found ourselves in situations that are very similar to the situation that Abraham found himself. And uh, that's why it's so important to get rid of the notion that Abraham did like a outlandish, totally crazy, ridiculous decision. He did make the wrong choice, but was not a ridiculously crazy one. Uh, sometimes we find ourselves in positions that the options in front of us uh, are unknown. We don't know which way to, to go. Uh, and uh, very often we are in situations where we can make a decent case for either one. Like uh, there is nothing wrong with option A and option B. Like they are both perfect decisions. So how do we decide in situations like that? Uh, like situations where we can uh, make a decent uh, decision either way. Uh, there are situations that God makes the choice for us. Like uh, that he makes very clear. For example, when I originally came to Michigan, I was uh, like uh, getting out from the GC, uh, do like health reasons and also I wanted to dedicate time more with my family. And uh, I thought, okay, what I gonna do next? Then somebody offered me, why you don't go to uh, that uh, place? I was going to a different division. I was going to Ayas. Uh, that's a college, a university that we have in Philippines. And uh, I had a, the, uh, the talks of like uh, going there as the IT director of the division. Uh, and I would be able to study, do my PhD in IAS, free, and would be a very nice transition for me and for my family. And that was the plan. After I sold my house, the day we sold our house, God said like, no, I don't want you to go to IAS, I want you to go to Andrews. Like he did this in a dream that he gave to me and Tanya the same night. We were talking over... Uh, over breakfast and Tanya every now and then she has some crazy dreams that are like just laughable I like her to tell just because I want to have a good laugh on the morning like to start the day well and like she said like honey I had the strangest dream today and like oh tell me so I, I want to have a good laugh and then she told the exactly same dream I had that basically boils to go to Andrews and then we started to plead by God with God like God like I have everything lined up here for IAS. Like paperwork is already in process. Like I, uh, I don't have any connection with Andrews. How am I gonna do it? Like to cut a long story short, I went there. From there, I start to work for Andrews for a little bit. Then Voice of Prophecy. Then Michigan Conference. And then I'm here. Now you guys are stuck with me. So, uh, uh, but God spoke clearly in this case. I was taking my decisions the best way I could but he said no 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 I don't want you to go there I want you to go there but there's times that he doesn't and there are in those times that he expects you to get and to take informal decisions and uh, the beauty is that, that when Abraham makes his decision he is stepping on the unknowns of that decision. In the same way I was when I come here. But uh, he's also stepping in the abundance of God's grace uh, and provision. Why? Because he is a follower. Because he's trying to follow God. And uh, because he is a follower, he dedicated his life to try to do God's will. So even 
when he makes the wrong decision, uh, God works around and tries to bless that decision and gets the most out of it. But of course, there are definitive consequences to any decision we make. God doesn't simply say like, okay, now I'm going to bless Ishmael and everything will be as, as before. No. We, he had consequences. There was always strife on his home. God tried to get the best out of it, uh, give it blessings. But uh, every decision has consequences that God cannot simply erase. That will not be fair. We have to be held responsible for the outcomes of uh, what we do. But God is willing to work with you to salvage those uh, decisions to bring forth the be best possible outcome from those consequences. And uh, in the same way uh, that we see with the life of Abraham, God worked with him through it all uh, and steer Abraham back to the right direction and steer everybody involved to the right direction. Uh, God wants to do with you and me. Uh, God found a way to bless Abraham's decision, even though it was not the best one, because what God wants Abraham and wants you and me to make decisions, informal decisions, informal choices. And that's something that every parent re really knows. Like, uh, we want our kids to grow up being nice kids. Uh, and because of that, we try, especially when they are younger, like babies, and like we try to control every decision. Uh, we try to always tell them what to do. But as they grow older, we have to let go more and more. Now, I'm on the worst phase of fatherhood. Like all my kids are adults and they know things. <laughs> so like before, daddy was the hero. What dad says goes. Now, like... I, can st I still try to help them, but I had to let it go because I don't want them to always get right because I'm always intervening and saying what they should do. I want them to get right because they learn to make right decisions with God through their lifetimes. And sometimes that requires me to see them watching and watch them smashing their heads against the wall because of a bad choice and then I can go as God like God and wor work it with them pick up the pieces and like okay now let's rebuild that disgrace you you did and like uh, and that's the way God is acting here because he wants us to grow in our faith to learn to take decisions based on his principles and to work with him more and more God gave Abraham latitude to make choices and uh, if God wanted to, he could have intervened sooner as he did in my life. Like the day we sold the house, we were like buying tickets. I was buying tickets the next day. He intervened like, no, I don't want to, to go there. Like, so I had to call like, no, I'm, I called the guy that was uh, doing all the stuff for me in Philippines. Like Ron, uh, drop the, the thing. I'm not going. I'm going to Andrews. What? I'm, I'm going to Andrews. So, like, uh, because God intervened. Uh, but he didn't intervene in Abraham because he wanted Abraham to take his decisions and learn to live with that. He intervened later to salvage the disgrace that was in process of being made. So, he let Abraham decide even though the decision was not what he wanted, was wrong in his eyes, but was not a crazy decision. And uh, uh, God shows up later on the story uh, and says, like, look, that's the path that you and Sarah needs to go. Uh, that's my preferred choice. But I still respect your choices. And he's still blessed Ishmael and his descendancy. In life, sometimes we get deadlocked because uh, we want to make the right decisions. We don't want to screw it up. 
but we get so overwhelmed, like should go this way or that way. Sometimes we flip the coin, like, because we are just unable to take our informed decision. But God doesn't want us to live the life that way. He wants us to trust in Him, to search principles in Scripture, through prayer, take an informed decision, trusting that He's, clo- he's going to close the door, uh, that I don't, He doesn't want me to go, and He opened wide the doors that He wants me to go. Uh, so, uh, the picture of God that I see in this story, and that in this episode of Abraham's life, is a God that wants us to choose. A God that actually creates spaces for us to choose and to make informed decisions, to make reflective decisions and considered choices. Uh, a God that uh, who who surrounds us with his grace and uh, a God that wants us to go through our learning process as we make decision after decision. But one thing I need to be very clear because I don't want anybody to get out of here with the wrong idea. It would be a very, very different story if Abraham had decided to do something that was not uh, considered something that was not well informed, something that was really crazy. Like uh, if he said, like, for example, okay, Sarah, I'm going to go to Sodom, going to take about 15 women there, and like the one that produces a child, I bring it home, and she'll be my next wife, and we go on with life. That by no means would be an appropriate choice, not even to the standards of the world they lived in, nor for the world today, and much less for God. God will never bless such a thing. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, uh, the story would be different because at no level that would be an informed decision. Although culture and society influence us in more deeper ways than we think, uh, Abraham could not make a case to do something as foolish as I just proposed. And uh, that will not be okay with God. God is not giving to us a blank check to do ridiculous, irresponsible, thoughtless choices. The story here is not modeling reckless and uh, dishonest or dishonorable maverick choices. The story here is, it's not modeling something that's made rashly and foolishly. And that story here is not modeling something uh, that's not honoring God. Like, uh, although Abraham did the wrong choice, he thought he did in a way that was still trying to honor God. So, those are very important distinctions to make. Like, uh, at the end of the story, like if you read chapter 17, I'm going to kind of paraphrase. God gets to Abraham. Well, uh, that's not the decision I want for you. Uh, it's not a representative of, uh, what, of where I want you to be. But I want you to grow. That's why choosing like Abraham uh, did is definitely going to throw some bumps on the road. But uh, choosing for yourself is going to make you grow. And more than anything, Abraham, uh, I want you to grow in faith and understanding and wisdom. So I'm giving you space to choose reflectively, to choose consciously. And uh, when you made your choice, I will work with you to bring the best possible outcome uh, so you can learn from your mistakes and learn to trust in me more and uh, learn to align your choices more closely with my own choices on the future. Like, uh, and from this point on in his life, as we're going to see in next episodes, we see Abraham taking more decisions, 
and making more mistakes. But God is always working with him. Like, uh, why? Because what God is showcasing is that while we're still a seeker, while we're still trying to do the best that we know to honor him, he will try to work with us if we are willing to give our lives to him so he can work with us. That doesn't excuse us from outlandish decisions, but that encourages us to not get so mad about ourselves and so harsh and to dwell on our past mistakes forever. Uh, and, though, and this picture describes the action of a loving and liberating God. So there's three, th three things that I want to emphasize, three take-home points. And uh, if you like to take notes, now's the time to pick up your pen and pencil because those are the three important things for you to bring home from today. First, that's okay to make choices. It's healthy and it's what God wants for us. If God wanted to, he could have been prescript prescriptive in every step of our life. Like, but we are not babies any longer. So he give us latitude uh, and he expects us to take informed decisions, not only look into culture, but looking to the Bible, looking to the principles of the scripture that affects that uh, decision we want to take. And at the end of the day, to submit everything else to his wisdom so we can get the best possible decisions. He doesn't want us to be deadlocked in fear of like making decisions, but he also does not want us to uh, shoot first and think later. Uh, so, uh, and we have to do that trusting that if we decide in a way that we are at least trying to honor him, even if we made a bad decision, he's going to try to salvage it in the best way possible. I've seen this in the life of Abraham and I've seen this in my life many times. Uh, Jesus told once a parable that uh, you guys know it very well, that's why we, can, we won't read it. That's the parable of the talents. You remember that parable? Uh, God, he describes himself as being the CEO of a company that like he's going to extend that vacation and he's choose three of his top employees and give different sums of money to each one. And he says like, take care of it wisely. Then he goes a year or so later uh, when he comes back. He gets out the tree. So guys, how things are going? First one comes like, here, that's what I, you gave me. I invested, I did this, I did that, and now I have that much. And then he says, like, very good. You took a wise decision. Now, uh, then comes the second guy. Oh, I did this, I did that, and now I have that much more. Then comes the third guy and says, you know, I know that you're a harsh guy, like one of those very hard executives, like you drive a hard bargain. So I was a little afraid. So I didn't do anything. But here is the principle. Exactly what you gave me, you get, you're getting it back. And the owner on the parable there gets angry. Why? Because he didn't choose. Uh, God didn't want, expected them to make that as many, as much money as the others, but he wanted him to choose. He didn't choose, or he chose not to make a choice. And that's why he was on that predicament. He got, uh, while the others were prized, he was shunned because uh, he didn't make a choice. In other words, Jesus is saying on that parable, I encourage you to make uh, diligent choices. That's the that's the kind of master I am. You are empowered by me to make those choices. And I will work with you on the rest. It's a good and healthy thing to make informed, faith-led uh, decisions about life. It's what God expects us to do. That's point number one. Point number two. Uh, 
be kinder with you for the choices you made. Like, uh, particularly those that didn't pan out in the way you hoped for. Uh, no matter how much due diligence one makes, we're always going to make some decisions that will not be successful. Like I've been alive long enough and not nearly enough as some of you to know that like doesn't matter how much I plan. And uh, if you know me, I, I like to plan. Like uh, even like uh, to the point of having budgets on my home or like making plans for the year. Like, but doesn't matter how much I plan. There's always things outside of my control that change my plans around and the outcome is different. So, and uh, sometimes uh, we don't decide by the fear of uh, having a bad decision or when we decide and we are starting to see that things are not going as good as we expected, we start to beat ourselves up. And... Uh, Sometimes we keep like 20 years dwelling on that bad decision we took 20 years ago. Uh, there is a real chance that you're being harder with yourself than God is being with you. So God wants you to know that like if you make a bad choice, trying to get it right, trying to honor him, that's okay. He will work with you. He may not lift the consequences of that bad choice but he'll help you to get the best out of it and don't be harder to yourself than what god than god is and the third thing and final takeaway it feels like uh if it feels like that you make the wrong decision your life isn't over like if you Look here with Abraham. Like he probably was pretty desperate on the beginning, but his life wasn't over. God was working with him to get his, a, him out of the hole he dug himself. I'm sure for Abraham during his family meltdowns and wars between Hagar and uh, Sarah, uh, that they were very dark days. Uh, but... The most important thing is like that when we allow God back on the picture, he helped us to redeem that situation and to salvage what we create by our bad decisions that were not following him. And he can bless you in the same way he blessed Abraham with pretty good blessings, like 12 princes type blessings. If uh, you're just patient, Allow God to enter in your life and allow God to guide you and steer your decision process. Looking back to Abraham's life, uh, when he, he was still Abraham, he had a lot of bad choices. Like in choice after choice, God worked with him. Uh, but to every decision, he blessed and I even remember one, one story that we actually studied on the first episode, I think, that Abraham was like deciding, like uh, when he finally decided to separate himself from Lot. Uh, they had two places, one that looked like the Garden of Eden, the other one that was so-so. And he let Lot choose. He ended up going to the so-so place. And God blessed him greatly. He multiplied his wealth. And why? Because what God is illustrating here to those choices that Abraham did. Is that uh, God's anointing is not on the choice. God's anointing is on the chooser. God's blessing is not on the decision is on the decisor, the one making the decision. Of course, you can get even a big, bigger, bigger blessing if your decision is aligned with God, but He always is going to bless you as long as you're trying to steer your life on His direction. So, my appeal to you today is 
choose God. Choose a life of faith. And choose to start making decisions in a God-like way. In a faith-based way. Seeking God first and allowing Him the choice of uh, indicate you. And if He doesn't answer, then choose freely an informed decision knowing that even if you make the, a decision that's suboptimal, God is going to help you through that. And I hope that will empower you, you to seek God's guidance more and to live a life that uh, honors Him in every decision you make. May God bless you today. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.